It was a long walk down the whitewashed brick hallway to visitation. The cuffs and chains I wore made a light clinking noise with each step. A guard on either side led me down the path to what I knew would inevitably be waiting for me. The cold metal chair scraped loudly against the concrete as I pulled it away from the table. A table whose sitter was separated by thick plexiglass. The chains on my ankles rested quietly as I sat down. Hands outstretched on the table, I looked up at my visitors. Their dead, emotionless faces stared back at me. A cold gaze that pierced into me. I couldn't make a scene. The guard was right behind me. All I could do was pick up the phone and hear what they had to say. That's if they said anything at all. They usually just came and stared at me through the glass. I grabbed the cool plastic handle and hesitated, wondering how I had come to this point, tossed in a cage and forgotten. The one in front also grabbed the phone and imparted a small smile as it stared at me unblinkingly. I did what I always did, stared back and recounted my story. I did this because no one else believed me. No one else would listen. It started three years ago. My brother Ethan and I were very close. I was older than him as a senior in high school. The age difference never mattered though. We were joined at the hip since he was born. As he got older, Ethan became something of a notorious prankster, becoming infamously known in our small town as the king of practical jokes. I always thought his pranks were pretty harmless, minus some light embarrassment for his victims. This turned for the worse in more ways than I could have imagined, though. One of our longtime neighbors moved out of their home and off to a new retirement property they had been building. Their kids had grown and it was time to ride off into the sunset, so to speak. It sold the same day it went up for sale, they told us. It was a dream come true cash offer. We were happy for them, but sad because they were always so patient with our troublemaking as little kids. About a week later, an elderly man moved into the house, and it was one of the most unusual things we had ever seen. He didn't have a moving truck or a company, no mountain of boxes or furniture. He simply pulled his car into his garage and closed it. The one thing we ever saw that he moved in was the telescope he put in the window of the main living room. We knew this because every time Ethan and I left the house, he would be there in the window, watching us. Even those late evenings where I would take out the trash, he'd be there behind the lens. It was as if he never left that spot to eat or sleep, always keeping an eye on everything we were doing. I should break in there and steal that stupid thing, Ethan said to me one day when we were walking down to the grocery store. What? I said, half laughing, because I knew part of him was serious. I'm not joking, he's creepy, and that stupid telescope needs to go, he said. Yeah, but come on, I said. Break in there? There has to be something else we could do. He was quiet, though. I'd never seen him so infuriated by something like this before. I guess it really bothered him. I didn't think we'd do anything illegal in retaliation, though. That evening, he cracked a joke about the old man at the dinner table. 
My parents went on the defensive immediately. Boys, I want you to leave that old man alone, my dad said. He keeps to himself and we should do the same and let him have his privacy. Except he doesn't keep to himself, Dad, Ethan said. He stares at Jake and I through that telescope every time we step outside. Okay, fine, but does that hurt you? Damage our property? Not to mention you're well known for all of your pranks. Wouldn't surprise me if he was making sure you don't mess with him, my dad scolded. Ethan looked down for a moment. My dad disapproved of all of Ethan's practical jokes, thought it meant that Ethan didn't take life seriously enough, and neither will a future employer. I want both your word that you'll leave the man alone. Jake, Ethan, my dad pressed. I will, I replied. Fine, said Ethan curtly. I could tell he seemed defeated and thought that this would be the end of it. I was wrong about that as I was shaken awake late a couple of nights later. Jake, let's go take it, he said. Still groggy from being in a deep sleep, I looked at him with confusion. What? Take what? I asked. That stupid telescope, he replied. I just saw him drive away. I've never seen him leave the house before because he's a freak. Now's our chance, though, he explained. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, really. When Ethan got a plan in his head, he couldn't let it go. The old man across the street had rubbed him the wrong way, apparently. I shook my head, but knew I'd be helping him. I had my brother's back, no matter what. No matter what trouble he got into. Sneaking out of the house without alerting our parents was a challenge. The house was older, so it creaked if you didn't know where to step. Ethan and I were experts at this, though, finding every spot that would make our movements silent. My parents snored away, completely unaware of our escape from the house in their deep sleep. We were out the door and into the darkened streets without a sound. Our neighborhood was eerily quiet late at night. Streetlights burned quietly, offering their lonely spotlights on the ground to light our way. The neighbor's house looked dark and foreboding. Are you sure he's gone? I asked. Positive, said Ethan. Saw him drive off right before I woke you up. We'd been through quite a bit of mischief before, but something about this house didn't feel right. That we were stepping into something much worse than some creepy old man. Ethan had already started forward to the house, checking down the street to make sure the old man's car hadn't returned. I followed carefully not wanting to cause any sort of noise or disturbance that would wake the rest of the neighborhood. I hoped we'd be in and out of this place and be done with it quickly. Creeping up to the door, Ethan had already gotten out some tools he brought along with him. He tried the door, which was locked, of course. Then he rolled out a small bag that was clearly a lock-picking kit. Dang it, Ethan, really? I said. How else are we going to get this thing? He replied. Just keep an eye out for the headlights. I did so in nervous tension about what we were doing was making my hair stand on end. Only a few moments passed before a distinctive clicking noise indicated the lock had been defeated. Got it, said Ethan as he eagerly packed up his tools. He turned the door handle and pushed gently, the hinges creaking as the door slowly parted from the entryway. A rotten, 
musky smell hit us as we moved forward. Ethan put his hand up to his face immediately in reaction to it. Oh my, what is that stench? He exclaimed. Shh. I tried to get him to keep it down, but even I was having a hard time handling it. My eyes watered, but I tried to breathe normally. I looked to my left and toward the telescope at the window. I motioned for him to follow as I started at it. There wasn't much to the thing, just a simple tripod and the lens. We had no time, though, because right at that moment the headlights of the old man's car turned the corner to our street. Crap, Ethan said suddenly, eyes wide at the approaching vehicle. Put it back how it was, quick, I said, trying to move the tripod legs back into place. We got it up in position again just as the headlights pulled into the driveway. Back door, quick, Ethan whispered. I nodded, and we moved to the back of the house to the kitchen. Reaching the back door, my heart sank as I found that not only was it locked, but it had been boarded up from floor to ceiling. The glass itself had even been painted black so to block out any light or visibility. Before we could decide on what to do next, the front door of the house opened and the old man stepped inside. A tug at my sleeve came from Ethan as he encouraged me to a hiding place in the kitchen. There were dishes, pots, and pans everywhere. The man lived like an absolute slob, and we had to be careful where we stepped and placed our hands so to not knock over any kitchen tools. Between two sets of cabinets there was a doorway, undoubtedly going into a pantry. I didn't make any attempt to move there, though. We'd be trapped going into a closed room we couldn't see out of. Instead, we moved behind a small dining table that had a long, dingy linen draped over it. The old, high-backed chairs making a reasonably good hiding place given the situation. The old man limped down the hall toward us. An unusual cadence, like he walked with a limp, but something else. His gait was unnatural, and he didn't use a cane either. He scraped his heel on the ground as if he slid his feet over the hard floorboards, as if he'd never learned to walk properly. The scraping and thumping got louder and louder until he was in the kitchen with us. He didn't look for anything in there, open the fridge or grab for a glass. He just stood in the kitchen, staring at the cabinets. Then he sniffed loudly, his body and chest inflating strangely. As he exhaled, a sort of clicking noise resonated out of his chest. The entire thing was unnerving. I put my hand to my mouth to avoid having an audible reaction. It felt like an hour passed before the old man turned and scraped his way back down the hallway. I looked at Ethan, whose face communicated without words the same thing I was thinking. Something wasn't right about this old man, but unlike Ethan, I wanted to get the heck out of this place and away from him. Ethan moved to follow the old man. I grabbed his arm and shook my head furiously. Something is up with him. I want to know what it is, he whispered. He moved out from around the table and started to creep after the old man. Ethan, no! I tried to say quietly to stop him, but he was already off. I gripped my teeth, knowing that Ethan was stepping into something we wanted no part of. I crept after him, 
intending to force him back out the door if I had to. He was quick, though, practiced in sneaking around these old houses. I found him at the bottom of the stairs. He saw me and pointed up to the second story. I waved at him to come to me, but he ignored the gestures and continued up the stairs. I moved quietly to the foot of the stairs and then up one at a time, trying to keep my weight at the edges of the old woodwork to avoid making noise. I was concentrating so hard at concealing my movement I didn't see Ethan at the top of the stairs until I was nearly running into him. Only when I looked up and saw him, he looked mesmerized, mouth open, an expression of unadulterated terror. Ethan, I barely whispered to him, come on. He raised a single hand and pointed into an upstairs room I couldn't see. Part of me knew the time to leave was now. Everything in my body told me to run, to abandon all pretense of secrecy and just run straight out the front door, but the look on his face was an expression I had never imagined on my brother. The color had drained from it, and for the one person in my life I knew to be utterly fearless, what he'd seen in this room had destroyed any notion of cool bravery he had displayed until this point. So with adrenaline pumping in my veins, I turned the corner and looked. I didn't quite understand what I was seeing. The old man was there, looking in the mirror only. His arms, the skin was gone, replaced with some kind of insect-like talon. A sort of ooze dripped from them, which pooled on the floor in long strands. Then the talon moved to the old man's face. A sharp end seemed to cut into the skin like a scalpel, slicing from head to torso like it was nothing. The old man, or thing, whatever it was, then used its talon like pincers to pull back the skin, unzipping itself from this fake human shell. What was underneath looked like some kind of giant insect, covered in an ooze-like saliva. Its hundred eyes seemed to blink furiously as it was released from its disguise. Ethan was practically in a trance watching this, as if whatever he expected to find, this was the last thing he could have imagined. I grabbed Ethan's arm, intending to guide him away from the room. This had the unintended effect of surprising him, though, snapping him out of his trance and making a jumping movement. This little sound was enough to get the attention of the insect creature. Its head snapped our direction, and the only option was to run for it. We started to move, practically falling down the stairs and toward the front door. The thing moved with impossible speed, though. Through leaps and bounds, it clung to the ceiling and practically came down on top of us, cutting off our only exit from the house. Ethan was up first, running back toward the kitchen, looking frantically for another way out. He slammed to the door in the kitchen we saw earlier, which I thought was a pantry. What lay behind the door was something else entirely, a dimly lit stairwell leading into a below-grade basement. The creature was moving slower now, knowing we could not escape. As much as I disliked the look of these stairs, my body was compelled to keep moving, to put distance between myself and the insect, as futile as the action might be. I rushed through the opening, 
swinging the basement door closed. A light flicked on from the basement below, which gave me just enough illumination to see a rack of yard tools to my right. I grabbed a rake and jammed it between the door handle and one of the stairs. The creature slammed against it, the wood of the door straining under the force being put against it. I knew that we didn't have much time. No door or wall in this house would contain this thing for long. Turning back toward the stairs, I could see Ethan's shadow in the dim light of the basement. He wasn't moving, just standing totally still. I started down the stairs toward him. Ethan? I called out, but he didn't respond. As I passed through the stairwell, Ethan came into view. He was standing in the middle of the floor, staring at what appeared to be four giant vats of liquid. The contents were hidden in the shadows, but I too was in awe of this discovery. A sophisticated sort of computer system and cables were running to and from the containers. It was unlike any technology I had ever seen before. I stepped forward, coming shoulder to shoulder with him and couldn't quite understand what I was seeing. Two of the vats were empty. Streaks of the fluid had stained the inside of the containers. The other two had what were unmistakably two bodies. They were us, two identical copies of my brother and I. My jaw dropped. Ethan, what is this? I asked in disbelief. It's cloning us. I don't know how or why, but I, I can't think of any other explanation, he said. We need to get out of here now. I said, looking around the room for any means of escape. My heart leapt as I looked to my left and saw a small, open window. It looked like it was just large enough for me to fit through. Ethan, quick, over here! I called to him, but he didn't budge. He just stood there, looking at the vats with our doppelgangers in them. We need to destroy them, he said. What? No, Ethan, come on, we need to leave, I insisted. You go. I'll be right behind you, he replied, as he started toward the vats. He began pulling tubes and cables from the machines at random. There's no way he knew what he was doing, but he seemed intent on causing any amount of damage he could to the machines. I had climbed through the window and was waiting on the other side when an explosion happened. Ethan was thrown away from the machinery, and a fire had started. I called out for him vision obscured by the smoke and vapors. I could hear him coughing on the other side of the room. Ethan, follow my voice to the window, quick! I called out, trying to guide him. A moment passed and I started to feel the panic building in my chest when I didn't see him. Then he appeared through the dark and I reached out my hand to help him. He took it and I almost had him through the window when another figure appeared, insect-like and moving with a speed I had no chance to react to. Ethan was yanked from my arm and thrown back into the smoke. Jake, go! He called out, struggling to make the words through a lungful of smoke. Another explosion rang out, and I was forced back from the window due to the intense heat. I ran back to the opening as soon as I could, crying out my brother's name. Unaware of the approaching sirens, the firefighters and police that swarmed the house. I yelled out for Ethan, but it was in vain as I was pulled away from the house and handcuffed. 
I struggled to hear the officer's voice as he questioned me about being at the house. Turns out Ethan and I were spotted breaking in. Now here I was, at the scene of an apparent arson. I didn't have any response. I, I didn't have any words at all. I'd only watch as the house that Ethan had been trapped inside crumbled to pieces where it stood. It didn't take long for the jury to find me guilty. What story could I tell? That there was some kind of creature? An alien, maybe? Hiding out in a house across the street with some lab that burnt down to ash at the fire. They only found one body in the rubble, which they were able to determine was Ethan. But you knew that already, didn't you? I asked the people across from me sarcastically. The old man, my neighbor, the creature, stared back at me. That small smile still spread across its face. I turned to look at the figure behind him, the one who always sat a little ways back so that his face was partially concealed in shadow, except I knew who it was. How about you? I'm willing to bet you knew that, I asked the other figure. They leaned forward, that same small smile appearing on their face as well. Ethan's clone, that the creature was growing in the basement, looked back at me with those cold, dead eyes. I didn't know why they came. Maybe the creature couldn't stand my knowledge of its existence. Or perhaps it possessed some sort of sadistic nature to torment me. There was nothing to be done for it, though. The layer of glass that separated us prevented any further interaction. A small layer of plexiglass between me and the very truth that would set me free. Except the truth was cruel, tormenting, and sat only inches away. As if me being stuck 